Welcome to Verified Rx, your prescription for success. Brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. We put all this effort in our healthcare system and expense also to expedite the approval of these medications that we think are better, but in the end, we may not actually know. In recent months, many drugs have emerged for the treatment and prevention of COVID-19. Today, we are diving deeper into expedited drug reviews in the time of the pandemic. I'm Gretchen Brummel, Pharmacy Executive Director in the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence, and your program host. Joining me is Dr. Stephen Lucio, Senior Principal for Vizient's Pharmacy Solutions Team. It's so good to have you here, Stephen. It's great to be here with you today, and I first want to applaud you and Amanda for the great podcast you did on the topic of emergency use authorizations and how FDA can expedite the approval of new medicines during times of natural disaster. Actually, there are other programs that FDA uses to approve drugs quickly, even outside of catastrophes and pandemics. And so that's what we want to talk about today, and I really appreciate the opportunity to do so. Well, thank you for that, Stephen. We've definitely learned a lot about expanded access programs and emergency use authorizations. What can you tell us about the other expedited pathways? Absolutely. There are four primary mechanisms used by FDA to expedite the ultimate approval of medications, and frequently they're used in combination. The four are fast track, breakthrough, accelerated approval, and priority review. And I wish there was a cool acronym to make it easier to remember, but there's not. You can somewhat keep them separate by thinking about when they occur. So that was fast track, breakthrough, accelerated approval, and priority review. Exactly. Now let's talk about them specifically to understand how they compare. And in fact, two of them, fast track and breakthrough, are somewhat similar, primarily in helping drug developers engage and increase communications with FDA to ensure that the approval mechanism flows as smoothly as possible. Now, If you're a drug developer, you would like to get your drug approved as quickly as possible. You want to get it on the fast track to approval. And so the way this works is that you can request from FDA a fast track designation early in the development process, maybe even before you get to human trials. And if the FDA agrees, they're going to talk to you more frequently. They're going to help you think about how you design those clinical trials. This really occurs very early in drug development. But say you're a little bit longer in the process and maybe have something like phase two data, and you might have information regarding a clinically significant endpoint that looks really good. And at that point, you want to be more than just on the fast track. You might have a breakthrough. And if you get this breakthrough designation, then the FDA will talk to you more. They'll give you advice. They'll even engage their senior management teams to help you through the development process as quickly as possible. So we want to be on the fast track in initial development. And if we have more information about a clinically significant outcome, we might even be a breakthrough drug. Exactly. The next two are accelerated approval and priority review. Take, for example, the issue of heart disease. We know it's very problematic and it needs many different medications to treat. And one of the ways we treat heart disease or prevent it from occurring is by giving people cholesterol medications. Now, to make sure that that drug actually treated heart disease, you would need 10, 20 years, many decades to actually prove it. But instead, if you take a drug and you realize that it treats and lowers high blood cholesterol, then you assume that it's going to manifest in a reduction in heart attacks, strokes, and death. 
it's a surrogate indicator of the ultimate outcome that you're looking for. So accelerated approval is just that for certain disease states, you look at a surrogate indicator that you can prove more rapidly that should be indicative of the ability to prevent an overall disease state. And frequently you see this in oncology drugs where you really do need to get these medications to patients as soon as possible, knowing that you will potentially do studies after the approval takes place. That makes a lot of sense. Given the absence of therapies for many cancer diagnoses and other difficult-to-treat disease states, Absolutely. Now, let's talk about the fourth of the four processes, which is called priority review. Now, we've already talked about all the work that goes into getting a new product into the market through the investigational pipeline. And so you've gone through all this money and all this time and all this effort, and you have your application and you give it to the FDA and the FDA says, "Okay, we'll see you in about a year. Now, that would defeat the purpose of all the work that you've done to move things really fast. And so priority review is just that. The FDA says that we're going to review your drug in six months or sooner, and we will let you know either if you're approved or how you can get to approval as quickly as possible. It's really interesting to know how these programs work. Why should pharmacists and other clinicians be aware of these programs? There's three key reasons why we need to understand how these programs work. First, they're used extensively. Second, many clinicians don't understand them. And then third, as an overall healthcare environment, we need to do a better job of making sure that these drugs actually deliver what they promised. So let's talk about the prevalence of these designations. Now, we kind of think that all the medications that FDA approves are going to be good and useful, and they are, but that these expedited programs would truly represent the cream of the crop, so to speak, the best of the best. And that is intended to be the case, but our drug development process has changed over the last few decades, where we are really focusing on breakthrough and and tremendous therapies for specialty indications, oncology circumstances. So basically, all of these medications that are being approved are for serious diseases, and that's what we see in practice. In fact, there was a recent analysis, and we'll include this link on the page for this podcast, that showed for the new molecular entities that were approved in 2018, 81% of them took advantage of at least one of these expedited programs. So that's great. We're getting these drugs that we need to the market more rapidly. But when you do that, you don't have as much time to have as many clinical studies. So back in the mid-90s, like 1995 to 1997, Over 80% of new drugs that were approved had at least two pivotal clinical studies that were associated with the approval of the medication. In 2015 to 2017, that number had dropped to 50%. So in other words, these drugs come to us and we have a smaller profile of how they actually work. So there's a trade-off. We're getting drugs more quickly, but potentially with a more limited understanding of their safety and efficacy. You framed it perfectly. We have these drugs quicker, but we may not know exactly what they do, which brings us to the next issue. Clinicians may not fully appreciate these programs and how they work. Another recent survey that I'd like to talk about is one that was conducted with physicians where they were asked what breakthrough therapy meant. And specifically, they were asked if the designation of breakthrough therapy means that there is high quality evidence that the drug is safer than currently approved treatments. Now, as good as it sounds, that's not what breakthrough therapy means. Yet three-fourths of the physicians who responded answered incorrectly. What else should we consider? 
we put all this effort in our healthcare system and expense also to expedite the approval of these medications that we think are better, but in the end, we may not actually know. One more article that I want to share looked at an analysis regarding accelerated approvals. And again, that's approvals related to a surrogate marker. Now, this analysis looked at 93 cancer drug indications for which accelerated approval was granted between 1992 and 2017. And what it found is that only one-fifth of the cancer indications approved via the accelerated approval pathway ultimately were confirmed in subsequent clinical trial data to improve overall patient survival. So these expedited programs are used quite frequently, but in the end, we may not know exactly if they worked. It's possible that they did and we just didn't capture it, or it's possible that they did not deliver on the promise that they originally offered. What should we do as clinicians and pharmacists? First, as clinicians, and particularly as pharmacists, we have to understand and increase our awareness of these processes and programs, which hopefully those listening to this podcast have been able to do by virtue of what we've been discussing. The second is that we have to help our colleagues, and by that primarily our physicians, understand the relevance of these designations and how they relate to the conversations we have in our formulary committee meetings and P&T conferences. And then the third thing is that we really have to do our due diligence in monitoring these drugs over the long term to make sure that they do deliver on their promise and potential. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your perspective. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And to our listeners, please join us for more Verified Rx podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Verified Rx is your prescription for success and is brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. I'm Gretchen Brommel. Thanks for listening.